Hi, this is Pastor Bob Yandian. This message I'm teaching was preached to the Corinthians who didn't believe in resurrection. And Paul said, I preached resurrection, you believed resurrection, and if it's not true, then your faith is in vain, my preaching is in vain, and we are of all men most miserable. But we're not most miserable. Jesus was raised from the dead. Hang on, we have even more great points in this broadcast today. For more than 40 years, Bob Yandian has been an expositor of the Bible, making seemingly complicated doctrine easy to understand. Grab your Bible and study the Word of God with Bob Yandian. Hello and welcome to Student of the Word with Pastor Bob Yandian. Uh, if you were with me yesterday, we started on 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're taking it up verse by verse. And the entire chapter deals with the subject of resurrection. And remember that the congregation in Corinth was probably the most carnal congregation that Paul faced, and they were filled with arguments. You know, again, coming from a democracy, and I'm glad America is a democracy. It's within a republic. But in democracies, you have a right to think your own way, and you have a right to voice that opinion. That's even guaranteed in our Constitution. And, you know, in the amendments and all the different things we have, it's guaranteed for us. But also it can bring a slowdown and everything because one thing can be brought up and all the arguments against it and for it can come along. And so they were used to arguing over everything. And because of this democracy they had. And so Paul brought them the gospel, which again, I brought out yesterday, is not just true, it's truth. And true doesn't necessarily mean truth. I mean, it's true that, you know, David had five wives and it's true also that Solomon had a thousand women, 700 wives and 300 mistresses. And it's true that that happened, but that is not truth because God doesn't want us to do the same thing. And so we follow after the truth of the word of God. And even Jesus said, I am the way, the truth. And then we talked about the word of God. He said, Lord, your word is truth. Sanctify them through your truth. Your word is truth. So we have the truth of the word of God. It simply comes back to this. If the Bible says this and you believe this, drop what you believe and go with it. Don't even argue against it. Accept it even though you may not understand it. And when the answer comes and you begin to understand it, all of a sudden you realize God's given you everything for liberty. Now the point was with the Corinthians is they did not believe in a resurrection body. They believe that their body is evil and the good is on the inside, your soul that's beautiful, and really death releases that beautiful part of you to float through the Elysian fields across the river Styx, and this is what happens to you, and forever you float out there. But the point of it is, is what he was saying, no, no, you're gonna have a resurrection body one day, and that was repulsive to them. It contradicted their religion. And so they argued, they didn't wait for Paul to explain, and so Paul finally has to come along. This was the most obstinate congregation that Paul had. It's an interesting story is that Timothy pastored them for a while. I mean, they picked him up and basically threw him out. I mean, he was such a nice, kind boy that whenever they got through with him, he was just, I mean, he was like a noodle after he got out of that place. He was having a tough time. And so Paul had to send Titus in. Titus was Paul's troubleshooter. Unlike Timothy, who was nice and kind and all that, uh, Titus was the opposite. And later on, the book of 1 Corinthians deals with all the problems in the church and, God, and the answers that Paul gives to them. And then 2 Corinthians is kind of like what to do after the dust settles. And after the dust settled, now that they were in a place where they could listen, he can greatly instruct them. And 2 Corinthians is a lot of instruction, great things like that. But toward the end of 2 Corinthians, Paul reflects on the time when he sent Titus to them. I like to basically just boil it all down to this. Titus came in with a basic three-point sermon to the congregation, sit down, shut up, and listen. That was it. And I mean, he took authority over them. 
And they might have liked to start yelling at him because they they, have, they thought their right was to contradict everything and voice their own opinions. And like I said yesterday, there's some things that come good out of that. You know, we listen to different viewpoints and some great things we have came out of contradictory viewpoints. But again, in that case, it's not just your right to start yelling at everything. And that's what they would usually do. But not in the case of Titus. It was after Titus that they gained great respect for the gospel and a great respect for Paul. I want you to take a look with me at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're going to start with verse four. We're talking about the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. And basically Paul was saying to them, uh, listen, what I, what I received, I gave to you. It worked for me. I gave it to you. If you're going to argue about what God did, then look at me. You have to say, I'm a failure. And, and yet, you know, I, I gave you exactly what God gave to me. And look at verse four. Paul now says that he was buried. That's Jesus. And he rose again the third day, according to the scripture. You know what he's saying? I didn't invent the gospel. It was already part of God's plan. It was written in the word. And the same thing that was written in the word before I got saved is still written in the word after I got saved. It's written in the word of God before you got saved and it's still written in the word of God after you are saved. He says all this happened according to the scripture and the scripture is truth. He keeps coming down to this. Is the word true or not? You have to make up your mind. Is it the absolute truth when the scriptures tell you you're gonna have a resurrection body? Is that the truth? or not. And they might say, well, we didn't know that before we got saved. Well, you're not going to know everything before you get saved. When you get saved, you know squat, you know little. I mean, all you know is Jesus Christ is Lord and I've just received him. Now, from that point on, you start to learn everything in the word of God. And if you don't like what you've learned, well, I'm sorry. If you'll stick with it long enough, you'll find out you were wrong. God is right. Your attitude was wrong. God is right. Your viewpoint on it that God's just trying to get to me was wrong. And you find out God has a blessing for you in life. Paul already brought this out in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23. For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. You know what Paul is saying? I wasn't there. But the Chris scripture said it was true, so I'm going to accept it as true. I didn't hear Jesus say this, but the scriptures say that. Every part of the work of Jesus is found in the Old Testament and in the Gospels. Jesus died for our sins. Notice what Paul said in verse 4. All this happened according to the scriptures. Each part of the work of Jesus is found in the Old Testament and in the Gospels. First of all, Jesus died for our sins. Genesis 3.15, Psalm 22. Psalm 69, Isaiah 53, Matthew chapter 20, Luke chapter 24 are only a few of the scriptures telling us that Jesus died for our sins. Next of all, Jesus was buried, Isaiah 53, rose again, Isaiah 53. And Jonah chapter two and verse 10 tells us about the resurrection of Jesus. And so it gives us resurrection order. All will be raised at the end of their age or at their dispensation. In the Old Testament, we had all building up and there's gonna be a time for the resurrection of Old Testament saints. There's a time for the resurrection of church age saints. There's a time for the resurrection of martyrs. That's brought out in the book of Revelation. So we see these things, resurrection order brought out and the word of God has already declared it. 
Why are you arguing against what the word of God has to say? Everything I told you is found in the word. So don't argue with me, argue with where I came from. I came from the word of God, but where did the word of God come from? It came from God. So why don't you just yell in his face that he's wrong? Why don't you tell God there is no resurrection or because you don't like it, you just choose not to have a resurrection body. This isn't true. The resurrection order is this. Jesus was raised from the dead after three days in the grave. Jesus comes for the church and the dead of the church age at the end of the church age. Those who died before the cross, Old Testament saints, are resurrected with the tribulational saints at the end of the tribulation. And finally, the millennial saints will receive a resurrection body at the end of the millennium. These are the resurrection orders that appear in the word of God. And Paul is simply bringing this out. You wanna argue against resurrection? He says, arguing against resurrection, you're arguing against the word of God. It is an integral part of the Old and the New Testament and an eventual looking forward to the day we will have a resurrection body. Think about this for just a moment. These saints at Corinth were thinking, well, this body is evil. And Paul's gonna bring out later, you know what, you're right. But you don't have to get rid of that body to be brought to freedom. What if God gave you a new body that's just like your spirit, born again, recreated, all these things, you're gonna have a body one day that will be just as much saved as your spirit and your soul. What he's simply saying is if just shut up for a moment and listen to what I have to say, even though the body you are in right now is not what God wants, it's not what God will eventually have, right now you're right, it is an evil thing carrying in it the essence of sin. But when you die, it's gonna stay here. It's gonna dissolve and go away. And one day you're gonna have a resurrection body that is just as supernatural, just as holy, just as righteous as your spirit and your soul. Let's take a look at verses five through 10. Now Paul begins to talk about, listen, not only is it found the word of God, people have seen the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if people saw the resurrection of Jesus Christ and it's guaranteed for you too, then the same thing's gonna happen with you. You're gonna have a resurrection body. Here's what Paul brings out. I'm gonna kind of give you an overview of verses five through 10. Peter saw Jesus raised from the dead. The two on the road to Emmaus saw Jesus who was raised from the dead. A group without Thomas and then later a group with Thomas. He was seen of over 500 at one time. He was seen of James, that is Jesus' brother. A disciples of Galilee all saw him. The disciples on the Mount of Olives saw him. And finally, Paul saw him. So the appearances that are listed here in verses five through 10 are really not in chronological order. They're just, Paul just begins to name them. And some of them are one after the other in order, but overall, they're not in chronological order. Let's take a look beginning in verse five. Verse five says, and that he was seen of Peter, then of the 12. So the Corinthians knew Peter. I mean, they loved Peter. In fact, back in their earlier chapters, one said, I'm a Peter. Another said, I'm of Apollos. Another said, I'm of Jesus, the super spiritual crowd. And so they said, we know these ones. So when he named Peter, oh, they knew Peter. They liked him. Peter was a type of guy when he came in. And, you know, he's the type of guy that was a fisherman and a, a man's man. So they liked him. And he said, first of all, he was seen by Peter. You're going to argue with me? Argue with Peter. Then he was seen of the 12. Now, the 12 is a technical term. At the time when Jesus appeared to them, there's only 11 because Judas was gone, but they were still called as a group named the 12. So the Corinthians knew Peter and they would certainly accept his testimony. That was brought out in chapter one and verse two. And then he mentions the 12. 
Verse number six, after that, he was seen of over 500 brothers at one time, of whom the greater part remain until this present day, but some have fallen asleep. There's debate over who these 500 were. I personally believe the only time I found in the word of God where Jesus was with a large group of people after his resurrection, in his resurrection body, was on the Mount of Olives just before he left. You say, but yeah, they all went to the upper room there and there's 120. No, I believe there was over 500 at one time. Jesus stood in front of them because the crowd kept growing over the 40 days he was here. And when he stood in front of those 500, he said, now go to the upper room. Don't you budge until you're filled with the Holy Spirit. And only a quarter of them made it up there. I mean, that is so common today. Even if Jesus Christ himself tells them, only a fourth went up there and were filled with the Holy Spirit. So again, this was the last group to see Jesus on the Mount of Olives before he left. Verse seven, after that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles. James was Jesus' brother. Matthew 13, 55 mentions him, wrote the book of James and was the head of the Jerusalem church in the book of Acts. Verse eight, and last of all, he was seen of me as of one born out of due time. And the word here for due time actually means he said, I was abnormally born or one translation. And even the Greek verifies this, delivered from abortion. I was about to be taken. He says, but God saved me at that moment. At the last second, I accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we're told this in the book of Acts. We'll take this up when we come back about Paul's salvation himself on the road to Damascus. So when we come back, so have a good break here at halftime. Find out about the product, be sure and order it, and I'll see you right after the break. When a Christian has passed away, we do not bury them. We plant them for a future harvest. One day, all Christians will put on a resurrection body. Our earthly bodies carry the image of Adam, but our resurrection bodies will carry the image of Jesus. We will have bodies that will possess everlasting life. In this exciting six-part series based on 1 Corinthians 15, Pastor Bob Yandian provides a detailed study of the future resurrection of every born-again believer. Messages include a foundation doctrine. What if there is no resurrection? What is baptism for the dead? Sowing, reaping, and resurrection. Our incorruptible body and the exception generation. To order resurrection, visit our website at bobbyendian.com. A new book just came in. I've been waiting on this book, Theology Simplified. This is a class I teach at Karis Bible College. And I've been waiting to put this into a book. It's eight different theological terms that sound difficult, but actually are very simple. I just simply think the Bible sometimes is filled with complicated sounding words, but you break it down, it becomes very simple. This book is called Theology Simplified. Let me tell you what all it covers. It covers predestination. It covers reconciliation and sanctification. It covers glorification, justification, redemption, propitiation, and election are all covered in this book. And again, big words with simple meanings. I bring it down to you. Go to my website, bobtheandian.com. You'll find how you can have a copy for yourself. Blessings upon blessings to you. Bob Yandian Ministries is training up a new generation in the Word of God. Because of your generosity and faithfulness, this teaching ministry is able to change countless lives. You will never know until you get to heaven how many people received Jesus, were filled with the Holy Spirit, healed, or found God's will for their life through your support and prayers. If you would like to become a partner with Bob Yandian, visit our website at bobyandian.com and click on Partnership. 
So let me admonish you to be sure and get a hold of that copy of the offer today so you can actually listen to and understand more even of the teaching here out of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and on the subject of resurrection. What I'm covering here is nowhere near what I covered in the recording, so I know you're gonna to wanna to have that and be a, let it be a part of your life. Verse eight says here again in 1 Corinthians 15, and last of all, he was seen of me also as one born out of due time. Literally what Paul was saying was, if I hadn't accepted Jesus Christ at that time, I was gonna die. God would have taken my life because it came down to this. I was killing so many Christians that something had to stop. Either the, you know, I had to end my life, my life had to be ended, or I had to accept Jesus Christ and become a part of these Christians. I was uh, killing and I was abusing. And this is exactly what happened. But it, literally, he was born again at the last possible second. God had given him time and all this. In fact, let's turn there. Acts chapter nine, let's read about uh, three verses of scripture there. And here we have the, the uh, testimony of Paul and uh, written by Luke in Acts chapter nine. In verse three of Acts nine, it says, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shone around him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, why do you persecute me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom you persecute. It's hard for you to kick against the pricks, as it says, the King James, that means actually the goads. These are a thorn that was on a, and a large stick and they would hit the, hit the uh, oxen with it whenever they would stop. And he says, I have been goading you and goading you. I, I, everywhere I turn, you've seen testimonies of me. And even with the uh, stoning of Stephen, you were there. You've heard testimonies of people and you've been fighting against me. And the one you're fighting against is the one you say you worship. I am the Lord and I am Jesus Christ. And this was the last chance he had to get saved. And at that moment, he simply said to him, Lord, you know, I accept you. And this is what happened to him. Go back with me now to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And Paul says again here in, in defense of himself, looking at himself, and actually not so much just even a defense, is he's looking at himself and saying, of all those that were chosen to be apostles, listen, they may not have had a whole lot of religious background, may not know about the Bible of the Old Testament, but I can say this. He said, they had open hearts before God. I did not. He said, I was resistant. I was killing Christians. If anyone deserved to die, it was me, and I have received greatness of grace. And he says in verse nine of 1 Corinthians 15, for I am the least of the apostles who am not qualified to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. Paul brought out later in other books of the uh, New Testament, the extent he went to, how often he killed them, how greatly he killed them, how that he dragged them away to be killed, how that he persecuted them. And we know from history how that Whenever Paul brought them in, they were fed to the lions because Paul was not only a Jew, he was a Roman, and he thought he was doing good for both sides. I am ridding the Jews of these Christians, and I'm also turning them over to the Romans to be destroyed publicly to cause people not to accept this religion and didn't know of all this, he was really persecuting the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 10 goes on to say, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed on me, was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than them all. That's all put together. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was in me. Notice what he said. Once I got born again and realized what I had done, I started laboring for the Lord because of grace, not because I tried to get anything more from him, but I was so appreciative to him for what he did and so appreciative of the grace of God that forgave me for killing thousands of Christians that I decided I would labor for him just as hard as I labored against him. 
And now he said, I have by the grace of God, I become who I am today. God's grace made Paul what he was at that day. The greatest of all apostles took him from a persecutor of the church to its greatest promoter. Notice what verse 11 goes on to say. So whether it was I or they, so we preach. And so you believed. In other words, the problem was not with the preacher Paul or anyone else. It was not whether the information was a lie or not. The issue was the Corinthians believed the message from the ones who were sent. That's the whole point. Notice what he said again, whether it was I or those that I've just mentioned, we preach it, you believed it. He said, and part of our message was resurrection. We may not have talked about it, but one thing you had to confess to be born again, in fact, found in uh, chapter three of the book of Romans and we're chapter 10 of the book of Romans by faith by faith. It simply brings out in Romans chapter 10, nine and 10. One of the things you did to get saved was you confess that God raised Jesus from the dead. They might argue, yeah, he raised Jesus from the dead, but you didn't say he's going to raise us from the dead. We don't want a resurrection body. And Paul is simply saying, you don't understand it. Quit fighting against it. This is not some law that your Congress has passed. This is not some law that the Corinthian uh, leadership has passed. This is not something that came down through legal system. This is something that came from God and it's not to be argued with. If you do have a genuine uh, understanding or non-understanding of something, God will tell you. But when you set yourself in opposition against the things of God, you're only hurting yourself because God has done all these things to bless you. And so again, he said, whether or not it was me or they that preached it, I preached it, they preached it, you believed it. And so again, it was not whether the information was a lie. The issue was the Corinthians believed the message from the ones who had seen it with their own eyes and those who also had preached it. Romans chapter 10 and verse 15 says this, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? Or how shall they believe on him in whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, a quote from Isaiah 52 and verse seven, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Isaiah said, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. What's Paul saying in all these verses of scripture? It simply comes down to this. The word of God is to be believed. The word of God is to be received. Whenever I heard the gospel at five years old, it was presented to me how Jesus died for my sins and it was raised from my sins. And I opened up my mouth at five years old, received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I can't say I had a whole lot of religious opposition to come against. I was raised in a Christian home. I had heard these things, but I made it personal for me one day. These people here in Corinth, I can almost have some pity on them because they were so indoctrinated in the religion of their day from Socrates, Plato, all these different things that happened to them. All these things happened to them. And what they did was when they accepted the gospel, they just believed it. But Paul said, it's written. You believe something that was in the Bible. Not only that, you have believed people that visibly saw Jesus raised from the dead and now preach it to you. But the same Jesus that was raised from the dead even promised us we would be raised from the dead. And now you're starting to oppose that. Now you're coming against it. And all I can say here, Paul is saying is, is if we preached it and you believe it, then blame us. We're the ones who told you, but don't blame us, blame Jesus. He's the one that showed it to us, taught it to us, blame the scriptures. 
And what he's saying is there's a lot of things behind us to prop this thing up. There's a whole lot of things behind me that are here to prove to you that what I'm preaching to you is true. And it simply comes back to a message for us. Whenever our eyes contradict the word of God, what are you gonna do? Go with the word of God. If what you hear contradicts the word of God, what are you gonna do? Go with the word of God. If there's teaching out there today that contradicts the word of God, what should you do? Go with the word of God. Make the word of God your highest priority. Make the word of God, what God is saying to you here in these scriptures, the most important thing in your life. And it saved you, it redeemed you, it turned your life around. And this is what happened to the Corinthians also. It happened to them and it's happened to you. And just like the Corinthians here in these verses of scripture, don't believe what was found in the word of God and yet they believe that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. Are they honestly born again? The answer is yes, but they're honestly born again and illiterate in the things of God, immature in the things of God. And the Corinthian congregation was the most immature congregation that Paul found. And that's why so much of the book of 1 Corinthians is going over things that we normally understand as Christians, but to them, it was so contrary to the religion they came from, they had been embedded in, and now they're born again. I went to the city of Las Vegas to minister one time. A church invited me to come. And when I went there, they met, the church met in a casino and it was a room that was a side room and they, they let all kinds of businesses use it and they rented it out to this church every Sunday. While I was preaching the word, they had the back doors open. While I was preaching the word of God that day, there were people walking up and down in the aisles outside or in the hallways outside this, this room. And I could see them walking by. They had a drink in one hand, cigarettes in the other hand, they were walking by the door. And what I didn't realize was I didn't watch them completely. They'd walk by this door, but they weren't walking by this door. They stopped when they got past the door and they listened to what was going on as I was preaching. And when I gave the invitation, many came out of that hallway into the room to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. I was so blessed by that and talked to the pastor. And here's what he said. He said, we got to understand exactly what this town is. This town, he says, is a facade. He said, you've seen those movies, you know, you go to a movie, he says, and don't understand it, that all that is is a prop. And it looks like a building. It's not really a building. There's nothing behind it. He said, that's what this town is. It's all lights. It's all flashy. It's all these things, but it's just a facade. There's nothing real here. And the people come here looking for reality. And after a while, I realize there's no reality here. And so, but they're open to anything. He said, I have found this particular city he said Las Vegas to be the easiest place I've ever seen to get people saved. It's the hardest place I've seen to make them into disciples for them to truly follow the Lord. He said they rejoice and come in, give their lives freely to Jesus Christ. But when they find out it's gonna have to change their lifestyle, that Jesus Christ not only came to save them from sin, but also from sinning, that they realize, they finally realize what they got themselves into and they don't like it. And they don't realize that, you know, God wants them to, to not be drunk anymore. And God doesn't want them to chase women anymore. And God doesn't want them to have adultery anymore. And they begin to think God came to take all the fun out of their lives. No, you don't realize what fun is. Fun is following after Jesus. These Corinthians didn't understand that either. All they saw was, I have fun sinning. And now you're gonna take away my fun. No, we're gonna replace it with true enjoyment. The things of God are to be enjoyed and more than sin because sin has a temporary funness to it, has a temporary enjoyment to it. But after that, it turns bitter in your mouth. And what he's saying was, and on top of that, it never lasts. God came to give you joy unspeakable and full of glory and eternal happiness for life, not only in the fact you're going to heaven, but while you're here in life to truly enjoy life. And you don't have to have all these props. You don't have to have all these crutches of life to keep you up. 
This is simply saying again, these verses of scripture, what Paul is saying is, if you really follow after God and really trust in what he's saying, you'll find out this is the best life of all. Jesus came to give you life and give it more abundantly. And what you're looking at is the fact that you think fun equals sin. And God is telling you, no, real enjoyment comes from living in righteousness. And so what he was telling about Las Vegas was interesting. And I thought that but it also applied so much to the Christian life. How many people have I seen come and get saved out of a lifestyle of sin and gladly receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, but eventually don't keep following him. There's such a draw of the world back to them. They think now they're not having fun anymore. Are they honestly saved? Yes. Are they honestly going to heaven? Yes. But they're going to go there and find out when they get there, they could have had even the best in life, not only just the best in eternity. I'll see you tomorrow. You can order resources, become a partner, or browse free articles and podcasts by visiting our website at bobyandian.com. You can also join our mailing list and receive weekly devotions and the latest ministry updates. If you would like to contact Bob Yandian Ministries, visit bobyandian.com and click on Contact. To contact us by mail, use the address on your screen. Thank you for watching today's broadcast. We'll see you next time on Student of the Word with Bob Yandian.